Welcome to the Gen X Mixtape, a nostalgic podcast dedicated to the art of making mixtapes and the Gen Xers who made them. This is part two of Summer Days, where Alan and I will be curating side B of a mixtape capturing the spirit of those lazy, hazy, crazy days of summer. Uh, still, Got it right that time. Yeah, still love the intro. <laughs> so, Now, I'm curious, I, mean, I haven't heard all of your choices. Is that one of your choices, Matt King Cole coming up? It's an alternate. Alternate? Okay. It's an cool. alternate. That's very cool. I, did, I just didn't even think about throwing him onto my list anywhere. So, uh, All right. Well, hopefully you enjoyed last week's episode. Um, I, I know we, we slowed things down for you a bit, but... Uh, that, at least that was partially my intent. Uh, side B is not quite as mellow for me. Uh, speak for yourself. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> I have you, a lot of mellow. Do you? Uh, I guess I, my, it's the opposite because more of my okay. faster ones were the first. Yeah, well, I, 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 I do have I have a couple near the end, but I mean, for the, you know, at the beginning, it's more upbeat. Um, but... Yeah, it's. I'm curious. We we did have the one match last week. I'm gonna have to go to my alternates here uh, at some point. But I'm curious if we're gonna have artist matches. If not, we, we probably some will. matches here uh, for the second side. So, how you doing? All right, all right. Yeah, everything. How about you? Everything's great. We're we're getting ready to go on vacation, which is much much needed. Actually, taking two this this summer. Uh, one with just uh the wife and then another with the family and oh it's gonna feel good to get away so is, and, is there anything better is there anything better than taking a nap in the afternoon in the summer mm. as school teachers folks we can we can do this these things it's even better if you have a hammock if you can do it outside yeah in the summer that's that's, that's the best perfect that's the best of course i i don't have a hammock but you know, i've, I've yeah, been I, i've been in, in i have a lounge which shay's lounge yeah that yeah, works just chair, as well so, so. Uh, no, summer vacation, and we are, of course, on the second side of a summer mixtape, so let's get to it. You, All right. You begin this, this week. Well, I think you, did you say a couple episodes ago, maybe I said it, maybe it's in my imagination, but I haven't picked a December song in a while. <laughs> no, you have My My favorite band of the new millennium, the Decembers. Um, they, it, Colin Malloy, who's the lead man, is known for his summer songs, like, He's written a plethora of songs about summer to the point where uh, on two albums ago, um, he wrote a song called Anti-Summer Song because everybody was accusing him of writing so many summer songs. So I had to choose one of the many summer songs um, by the Decemberist. And I went with uh, probably their, well, definitely their most commercial album and well, uh, best known from 2011, The King's Dead. And I went with the song June Hymn. So, yeah, slowing it down a little bit. Okay. Definitely vibing here. Here's a hymn to welcome in the day Heralding a summer's early sway And all the bulbs all coming in to begin The thrushes bleeding battle with the wrens Disrupts my reverie again Pegging clothing on the line Training Jasmine how to vine up the arbor to your door and more. Standing on the landing with the war you shouldered all the night before. Once upon it, the yellow bonnets. 
garland all along And you were waking And day was breaking A panoply of song And summer comes to Springville Hill The song is an ode to simple beauty of summer nature, as it comes alive following another winter. Uh, Malloy and his family had just moved into a home in rural Oregon, and the lyrics are a simple description of what he can view from his house. Now, Malloy has been called um, hyperliterate, I think is the best uh, word to use. You know, we laugh sometimes about early Billy Joel lyrics, like Summer Highland Falls, that he had like a thesaurus next yeah. to him, you know. Uh, that that that's Malloy, but but he really you know he really talks that way. I think um, he's very well read, and um, his vocabulary is the most extensive of all. And we talked about Steve Miller band last week, kind of being very lazy in his lyrics. Uh, right. Malloy is the opposite end of that spectrum. Uh, not only is he extremely well read and his vocabulary is expansive, but he's able to incorporate that in a way that's um, that's quite impressive. And this song is a great example of that, where he's simply describing the view from basically his front porch. Um, and doing it in a way that uh, you know would make his English teacher proud. Um, <laughs> and this album, incidentally, there's a, there's another um, song on the, on the same album called January Hymn. So he kind of hits both seasons uh, from his new home. But uh, I'm obviously going to go with the June one for our summer days broadcast. Yeah, uh, January would be a little awkward <laughs> so, yeah, for yeah. for this particular. A lot of it's episode. just describing different foliage and flowers that are growing. It's it, oh. it, it, it's it's really well done, and, it, and and it's nice, really simple folk melody. Does too. he have one for all four seasons? No, or just, just two? those two. Just, the just two. January and, and June. But what I love about it, I mean, December they, they do have a range. I'm, I mean, if you're not a fan, like any persons that that's not a fan of a particular band, a lot of songs can sound very similar. And once you get to know, you know, the band. The similarities start to pop out. Oh, absolutely. But, but but even if you're not a fan of the Decembers, there there is a range. Um, you know, there's full 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 band performances. Um, you know, very high tempo uh, numbers. This one is just you know pretty much him and a guitar. So it's very chill, very chill summer. Just just kind of like waking up after a, you know a little uh, siesta in a, in a hammock and uh, looking very out nice. over, over your land. Uh, so I I get your lead in now. You're you were kind yeah, of, see, kind and, of and going, my, and my next song may even be a more extreme um, example. Okay, of that, so. you're 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 already grooving. <laughs> I get it. Yes, All, yes, right. Yes. <laughs> All right, yeah, that's my first one. All right, well, my first selection for side B is Brian Wilson's ode to his home state's hotties, uh, with apologies to the other forty nine states. The track elevated California girls to mythic status. And we have a match, and I almost switched my first two because I'm thinking I get to go first, and I know we're going to match on Beach Boys. So if I go first, you will have to pick something from your list, but dang it, you got to do it first. <laughs> okay, sorry. Do you, you want me to stop? <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> no, it's just my Beach Boys song is going to probably not win a second time. This, the, my pick is, is going to be destined to never, ever make up the show. It'll be a running gag. So this this is one from last season. Yes. Is Are we are we looking at Sail on Sailor? No, 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 no. That's, no. No? no. Uh-uh. I'm trying to think what else you well, had. Well, when we get to it, we'll okay. get to it. All right, all right, go all right, ahead. All right. Let's talk um, about California Girls. All right. Well, Wilson was inspired to write the song during his first acid trip. <laughs> so in a 2007 interview, he explained that he went to his piano and he was thinking about the music from cowboy movies when the hero's riding slowly into town and, and he kind of sang it for 
uh, Rolling Stone, bum ba dee da you know, and he said he sat down and started playing it, bum ba dee da bum ba dee da and he did that for about an hour, just playing it until he said he couldn't hear anymore what he was playing. And then he said he saw the melody hovering over the piano. That's so Brian. That would be acid, yes. Yeah. So um, it came pretty fast after that, though, and Wilson's genius is apparent. Um, those swirling piano chords at the opening give the simple teenage fantasy a dreamlike grandeur, really. And 56 years later, they remain one of the most recognizable intros in popular music. Uh, the next day, as Wilson recalled, he and bandmate Mike Love finished the remainder of the song, But as is always the case with most Beach Boys classics, the cousins have conflicting accounts of Love's involvement. California Girls was yet another track that omitted Love as a co-writer. And, of course, he was awarded the credit after a successful 1990s lawsuit for songwriting credits. According to Love, he approached Wilson about the omission when the song was released, and Wilson told him that the mistake was the fault of Wilson's father, Murray, the band's publisher, which probably was true. Uh, to, to large effect. Um, Murray was not a great guy uh, in many, many ways. Uh, Love insists that he wrote every syllable of the song apart from I Wish They All Could Be California Girls. In his recollection, he wrote the lyrics in less than an hour while he was in the hallway of the recording studio during the session for the backing track. Wilson disputes Love's assertion. He says that he wrote a lot of those lyrics too. It was line for line back and forth between the two of them. And he insists that's what happened. Wilson said that he came up with the opening lines in the subject matter and that every other line was his or mine. Everybody loves girls, right? Everybody loves California in the sun. That's what I wanted from the song. And to mention all the parts of the country, that's fun. People will like that. So. I actually, you know, I, I, you know, I can't stand Mike Love. Yeah. But I actually think he probably did have a lot more involvement oh, I, in this I song. Agree. I agree. Uh, lyrically, because, you know, Brian didn't write a lot of lyrics. He worked with Tony Asher. He worked with a lot of different lyricists. Yeah. Uh, I can see him just, you know, and it's a pretty simplistic song, frankly. So it is. Yeah. I can see him saying, uh, yeah, that's good enough. The, the lyrics work because Brian was more interested in the music. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I, like you, I'm not a huge fan of, of love. Um, now I'm not, I'm not begrudging his, yeah, I'm, I'm not in any way taking away from his talent. I mean, he, you know, he, he played a very important, significant role in, in, you know, the, not only the founding, but also in in the you know uh, in sustaining the group and, and maintaining their 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 legacy. But I, it, it's it's his attitude toward um, the subject matter and toward the other members of the band today. He just resents the fact that everybody calls Brian Wilson the genius of yeah, the band. Exactly, he's always looking for his his due. Yeah. So, but yeah, no, like you, I I, I think I, I side with with love on on this one. Um, there's no such disagreement, though, about the music. Uh, session musician Carol Kay, who played on the recording, credited all the music to Wilson, with the only exception being a bass fill that she invented at the end of the bridge section. So, Brian Wilson said of the song when he spoke to Goldmine in 2011, he said, I'm still really proud of that introduction. It has a classical feel. I wrote that song, California Girls, in the same key as the introduction. It took me some time. I wanted to write a song that had a traditional country and western left-hand piano riff, like an old country song from the early 50s. I wanted to get something that had kind of a jumpy feeling to it in the verses. And in the years since, Wilson has referred to the song as a hymn to youth, as the Beach Boys' anthem, 
And time and again, he has said it is his favorite record by the group, which I've always found interesting because he has lots of favorite records yeah, 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 by the yeah. group. It's, it's changed throughout yeah, the years. He, yeah, it depends. Every time he's interviewed, he yeah, brings exactly. a different song. Um, God Only Knows, I think, is truly you know his shining example but um or good know, vibrations his teenage well, symphony yes. to god and, well yeah and i almost went with that that one that to me is their masterpiece yeah, good vibrations is my favorite beach boys tune yeah, without question incredible. um but i thought eh, i'm gonna save that one because i never know what what mixtapes will be making in the future so um but nonetheless yeah uh, he said that uh this was his favorite by the group Although he has noted that he remains dissatisfied with their vocal performance, <laughs> Wilson has also gone on record to confess that the song created real concern for him as a songwriter after its release. Um, this I didn't know. I did not know California Girls was um, so so, you know, heavy upon him. Speaking with Rolling Stone in 2015, he said, "The problem with writing a song like California Girls is that it's hard to top." For a long time after we'd completed the song, I sat at the piano and tried to write new material, but all I wanted to do was rewrite California Girls. I thought, how am I going to do something better than that? Of course, if you're a fan, you know that this was a baseless concern on his part. Um, fans of the group know he had nothing to worry about because the greatest Beach Boys album was soon to come. Well, East Coast girls are hit by really styles they wear and the southern girls with the way they talk they knock me out when i'm down there the midwest farmer's daughters really make you feel all right and the northern girls with the way they kiss they keep their boyfriends warm at night i wish they Yeah, just the intro of this song alone, you know, really, that's the thing. I mean, I think the Beach Boys have become such a part of, you know, to, you know, I don't want to say elevator music, but it, it's everywhere, right? It, right? It's on commercials, it's it's played in stores, and, and just people, they just kind of ignore it, but you don't really pay attention to it. No. And, and, and of course, we're all melody-minded people, so we all know that melody of California Girls, but if you ever just sit down and consciously listen to the introduction of that song and what's going on, oh, oh my gosh, it's incredible. It, it is. It, it's truly... It, it's almost a dichotomy between this, you know, incredible arrangement that he came up with and these chords, like you said, and and a very simplistic, um, you know, story about <laughs> yeah. girls around around the country. Yeah, and, and unlike Springsteen from last week, they are without question objectifying the girls in this song but yeah, yeah. It, it is you know it is a, cl- a cl- but they're girls their own age so it's okay they are yes it's not it's not creepy it's just probably you know inappropriate <laughs> so um but yeah it you know the hawaiian island girl you know in a bikini by a palm tree in the sand i mean they, they cover a number of the states i guess when they perform it live still today um both mike love and his version of the band and Brian, when he is with his band, whenever they perform this, you know what section of the country gets the loudest applause? The girls up north. No, 
No. I, I found this really interesting because I actually found it in, uh, in my research. It's the Midwest Farmer's Daughter. Really? Every time that they perform it live, it's the Midwest Farmer's Daughter that gets a lot of support. Aren't, aren't, aren't you offended to be reduced to farmer, farmer just because we're yeah. from Ohio? Yeah. yeah. Although, the other day I was walking not two miles from my home and I was looking at cows and sheep and goats, so we are pretty close to yeah. farms. Well, I was going to say, if you drive across our state, yes, we have Cleveland, Columbus, Cincinnati, and uh, Several others, of course, Toledo, Akron, Canton, Youngstown. But there's a grandpa's cheese barn like every every yeah. twenty miles on many of the state <laughs> state routes. It, it's we are still largely an agricultural state. Um, we just happen to have two major league baseball, two major league or two professional football teams, and plenty of Hall of Fames. We have that's what makes Ohio so unusual because we kind of have. Everything we yep. we are we're the a, bellwether state. We are we're a cross mix of the entire politicians come here the entire the nation. It's it's really bizarre. Okay. Just just to think, I mean, where we live, especially within twenty minutes, you can go from suburbs to city to rural. Right, it just in, in one drive, just in Star County alone. Yeah. yeah, so definitely good choice. Good choice. Can never argue with the Beach Boys choice. Well, you know, and I, I struggled with it still because I don't. It's not summer specific, right. really. But to me, it's the embodiment of summer. I mean, <laughs> California girls is just. He's talking about girls on the beach right. without question. So, right. there we go. Perfect. Well, to take my whole afternoon <laughs> siesta to the next level, uh, from June him, I'm going to a, a 1972 classic, "Summer Breeze" by Seals and Croft. Very nice. Yeah, this one will put you to sleep. I thought we, I thought we <laughs> might match on this one. I, I thought about it for the longest time, but I was already so mellow, and I was trying, at the end, I was just trying to speed things up slightly, so I, I, I left it off. So, Song from my birth year, one that just about everyone has heard, I think, in one place or another, any generation. You know, even if, you know, you're listening and you're from a younger generation and you say, I swear I'd never heard it. When you hear it, you'll know that you, you've heard it before. It's the classic smooth 70s harmony rock anthem that now is a staple of Yacht Rock playlists. I love yes. that Yacht Rock is back in. Yeah. And you'll hear this one quite often. Um, Jim Seals and Dash Crofts uh, were originally, I didn't know this, were originally members of this early rock and roll band. Do you know the answer? It will surprise you as it surprised me. Uh, you know, I think I found it in my notes for something... The Champs. Tequila. That's, yes. Yep. I'm, yep. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing that now. The, the classic instrumental uh, Tequila was by The Champs. Were they got one hit wonder? I. Th- That's the only song I, I know I think by them. so. I, I could be wrong, but I, Tequila is the only song anyone knows by them today. So yeah. I, I, my guess is yes. Perfect vibe song. I dare anyone to put it on, even in the dead of winter, and not feel the summer wind blowing in the comfortably warm sun. See the curtains hanging in the window in the evening on a Friday night. Little light is shining through the window, lets me know everything's alright. Summer breeze makes me feel fine, blowing through the jasmine in my mind.
The Isley Brothers actually covered this in 1974. It's a little harder, more soulful version. Mm -hmm. Um, But, uh, you know, I'm going to stick with the Yacht Rock version here for our summer days. Very cool. Yeah, no, I... It didn't even make my short list because I, I was already so slow. In fact, I'm looking at my alternates because my very next song is Brown Eyed Girl. And um, so I'm looking at my alternates thinking I got I, I to gotta throw in another faster, you know, upbeat tune. Fortunately, a lot of my alternates are upbeat, not all. Well, but. it depends, too, how you interpret summer day. So somebody younger may interpret a summer day as, you know, partying on the beach. Um, as we mentioned, my summer day is chilling out in the in the sun with with the breeze. Oh, so mine, mine is too. Yeah. You know, it, it makes sense. But I, I guess uh, you know, just to to try and give all listeners you know something um, relatable. Um, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna go back to my alternates uh, later. I'll, I'll I'll hit it at the end because I don't know what you still have. Okay. And yeah. There's no reason to. You know, maybe create a false match uh, that otherwise could have been avoided. So let, let's instead move on because my next song um, closes the side of the Out of the Blue album. Uh, Debbie Gibson? Electric Light Orchestra. Oh, God. Like... <laughs> no. Uh, although I see what, I see why, I see how you, you came uh, to that conclusion. Yeah. Um, no, uh, the Out of the Blue album by Electric Light Orchestra, um, the close of side one, uh, one the, of that the entire side. Greatest songs of all time. Yeah, it is known as Concerto for a Rainy Day um, is, is, you know, that suite of songs. And this song ends that suite very logically it is titled mr blue sky uh the lyric is suitably uplifting following the concept of a rainy day that comes to an end so that's another one i can put there with katrina and the waves not i mean it's a much better song than walking in sunshine right but that last episode we talked about these feel-good songs that just hit that right that spot and boy this is one of those for me yeah not taking anything away from debbie gibson but um um yeah, no, I, I went with Mr. Blue Sky as my next track. Um, on, a, on, on a BBC radio interview, uh, ELO leader Jeff Lynn talked about how he came up with the song after he locked himself away in a Swiss chalet, <laughs> attempting to write ELO's follow-up to a New World record. Uh, it was dark and misty for two weeks, he said, and I didn't come up with a thing. Suddenly the sun shone and it was, wow, look at these beautiful Alps. And he said he wrote Mr. Blue Sky and 13 other songs within two weeks with the sun finally coming through the clouds. Um, so in, in many ways, the song, you know, we talk about art imitating life or life imitating art. There, there you go. It's, it's one of those songs that I, it, it was a hit, but really didn't become a classic oh, until yeah. later. In fact, I think maybe I'm wrong. It really got a lot of... Um, Notoriety when the trailer for the uh, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind with Jim yeah, Carrey and Kate Winslet came out. That, that was the start of it. Yeah, it was used heavily in that trailer, mm-hmm. and 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 now we see it used in a lot of different places. Right, Guardians of the Galaxy most recently. Yeah, uh, used it. It's on the soundtrack. It, yeah, it was a modest hit in 1977 when when Out of the Blue uh, came out. Um, Mr. Blue Sky only hit number 35. I mean, it it just cracked the top 40. Um, now here's something I didn't know though. Jeff Lynn, I mean, first of all, he has a blue streak. Other songs that he's written for Yellow include, of course, from the same album, Out of the Blue, and also there's Midnight Blue. 
Uh, Lynn, though, is from the Birmingham area in England, where the Birmingham Football Club, or as we Americans like to call it, soccer team, uh, is called the Birmingham Blues. And the blues in all of these songs, Lynn has said, are in some way a tribute to his team. He's, uh, he says, um, you know, he's, he's just been a fan of, of the Birmingham Blues for life, and whenever he can, he, he would try and throw some uh, tribute to the, to the team and, and into the lyrics. Um, this song particularly, uh, especially Mr. Blue Sky, it's played before the start of every uh, home football or soccer match played by Birmingham City Football Club, uh, which, by the way, their nickname is The Blues. And many fans of the club associate Mr. Blue Sky with a former player and late manager, Trevor Francis, who, through his association with the club in the 70s, was uh, very close friends with supporter Jeff Lynn. But anyway, Jeff Lynn was quite pleased with the song. Uh, he said it captured what his vision of ELO was all about, and he said all the bits that come in and out, the backing vocals, the cellos sliding, all the little naughty bits, he said, including the sound effects. Everything is exactly what I imagined ELO to be. synthesized voice at the end of the song okay so if i'm assuming we'll, we'll play the album version not not one from the greatest hits or the re-recording that is on greatest hits um but the synthesized voice at the very end of the song actually says please turn me over so here we're really dating ourselves because uh, i'm talking again to the youngins that may be listening uh in the old days folks <laughs> we used to have to listen to our music on vinyl and we had to turn the record over to hear the other side. So, yeah, Mr. Blue Sky. There is. I don't know if there's a better summer tune. No, there, well, just it's it, it's in the pantheon of perfect songs for it, me. Yeah, it's, it just it's, is. I thought if anything on if any of my twelve was a match, that would be it. Well, and I considered it, but I didn't know if it if it I didn't know if it captured the spirit of summer enough to fit with your song. So, ironically, I didn't pick it because I thought it didn't fit what we were going for. Hmm. But okay. I, I, I think it, it does. I just didn't know if it was aggressive enough for summer days. Okay, but fair enough. Definitely good stuff. Yeah, uh, you, you know, it's interesting. You mentioned the blues. Um, I, the Cleveland Indians, of course, are, are changing their name. Right. And they're looking for a name. And I, that's my choice. Because we have the Reds in Cincinnati. You'd have the blues in Cleveland. 
we have the blue jackets, you know, in yeah. Columbus. Blue is the primary color of the Cleveland Indians. True. Um, I even thought blue socks because you'd have the, the Red Sox and White Sox. But the fact that we have the Reds in Ohio, it would be cool to have the blues. That would be kind of big. Plus, it's the Rock Hall. And rock and roll, of course, is very much based on the blues. True. So there are a lot of different ways you can go with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm still, you know, before the season began, we there was constant media attention to the fact they were changing their names and there were pools and you know everyone was all abuzz about what they were going to change it to and now that we're you know three months into the season I haven't heard any discussion about the name change at all yeah they haven't unveiled it yet yeah well not only that but I mean just the discussion about them changing uh, the name it's it's just fizzled as as the season began so yeah I'm really kind of looking forward to finding out what it's going to be I know there's so many people that are so attached to Indians, and I mean it's been my team, you know, my entire uh, life, and I, I proudly have worn Chief Wahoo, whether that was right or wrong. Um, but here's the thing: everyone that's so, you know, resistant to it and getting so angry about it, you don't root for the mascot; you root for the the team right yeah. so it doesn't matter what you call the team it's still i just it's the team just win the world series exactly that's all i want i mean maybe it'll finally lift the curse the the colavito curse as my dad calls it you know it would be nice if they won it this year because they would win it as, as, the, as the indians but, yeah. yeah um but yeah nonetheless it's just <laughs> chief wahoo dartboard over there that yeah. i have to keep a towel over and play uh, company no. I, well, I, have, I have a lawn flag I, I have plenty of Wahoo oh, no, I, get I've it. I, I get it years. I'm 100% in support of, of changing the icon I, I, I understand it but you know I, I still I have my Tomy jersey you know yeah. with with Wahoo on the sleeve, it's not like I'm going to go burn the thing. I'm just know? glad I didn't get. I almost got a Wahoo tattoo on my arm in college. Really? I'm kind of glad I didn't. You do. almost got a tattoo. Yeah, that wouldn't have aged well. No, it would not have. I I did not know you yeah. were considering. Well, a you know, I always said if I could think of something that was important enough for me to be on my skin my entire life, I'd consider it. I'm just not huh. a tattoo person. And at the time, I'm glad it didn't. Not only because Chief Wahoo, but I'm not as consumed with baseball. Um, so yeah, just. Okay. I guess it's my personality. I change interests so so much. You really do. Um, yeah. The thought of putting anything permanent on my body well, is, is scary. Yeah. No. I, well, I, I just have a very low threshold for pain. So the idea uh, that of, part doesn't the, the idea of voluntarily stabbing myself with a needle is enough of a turn. Now, my wife wants a tattoo. She wants a tattoo badly, and I'm like, well, I guess we'll get her a tattoo. But I, I have never wanted mm. a tattoo ever. I just, I don't know. All right, great choice. Great Thank choice. You, sir. Thank you for choosing that. Okay, well here's here's the, the second attempt for this song, um, "Girls on the Beach." Okay. By the Beach oh, Boys. I forgot that you had this. Yeah, yes. this is the one that Kokomo beat out. Yes, <laughs> from all summer long, 1964. Like I said, it's my second time introducing this song. Um, last season, it lost the face off to your Beach Boys pick Kokomo for the Sand and Surf episode. Um, from all summer long, the first Beach Boy record released after the British invasion. Okay, um, You can hear some really early Brian Wilson attempts to move beyond the surf songs and kind of develop a more complex uh, musical compositions, themes, and so forth. Um, you're not going to find any songs about cars and surfing in this album. You do find, obviously, the beach, and you have thum- summer themes, um, but just not the same theme over and over again. I, you know, right. early Beach Boys was literally surf car, surf car, surf I, car. Girl. Girl. Yeah, girls mixed <laughs> in there, too. Yeah. 
Um, the, the album's best known track, of course, is, is I Get Around, um, but it also includes gems like, like Wendy and The Drive-In, um, and my pick, which is Girls on the Beach. <laughs> Number is not necessarily representative of where the Beach Boys were headed, but where they had been. Still, the song features the trademark harmonies, the California imagery that should feel right at home on this mixtape. Um, the track was also included on the iconic Endless Summer compilation yep. that came out in 1974. So it's not a very well-known Beach Boys track. It's a, it's a deep track that did appear on Endless Summer, but uh, it's great. I've always loved the track. I mean, it, to me, it's it's you know it. That the, you're you're in the stage you know of the Beach Boys as they're evolving. It's very similar to like Rubber Soul for the Beatles, right? You know you're in that you can still see where they they were, but yet you can also see where they're exactly. They're it's a very going. pivotal and, record. And, yeah, um, you know what? Let's go with Girls on the Beach. You sure? Yeah, let's do it. Because it, it'd be it'd be fun to have a, fun, a running gag where I just introduce this song every well, season and it gets that's shot true. Down, but. but here's the thing: it, it is a deep cut. I love it, and. Realistically, I don't know that Kokomo should have beat it out last season. Anyway, well, Co- uh, it, Kokomo made sense for the, but but maybe this one makes more sense because it's maybe more summer themed than California Girls. Well, and that's what that was going to be my next point. California Girls, to me, I was just I was really struggling because I I not, the here's the thing the only summer song truly summer song that that I could find that I thought let's go for it is about the end of summer. And yeah. that is all summer long. Right, from the summer which, Yeah, which which is a phenomenal song, but I don't want to play it at the, at the offset of the, you know, of the summer vacation. So, um, no, we'll say Cal- California, trust me, there will be, pl- you know, episodes of plenty where California girls can be brought back into the mix. Let, let's, yeah, I'll defer to you. And California girls is a much better song musically, but this one yeah. just fits, I think, this, mood of the summer no. it's still a vibey song but oh, it, is, it yeah. makes you feel like you're on the beach it, it really does um, it does objectify girls once again yeah. <laughs> but they were teenage boys <laughs> um, and it was a suggestive actually for the time because yeah. the line that girls on the beach are all within reach um, if you know what to do I think is the lyrics so. yeah it's that, that, that <laughs> bit is a bit yeah it's um, and then so is the drive-in um, from the, the there's a lyric in there where I think Mike Love says only you can prevent forest fires, which I guess was about using birth control. <laughs> yeah. yes, so they were was. starting to sneak in some some suggestive stuff in their music. Uh, at the time. No, you know it's a great album, actually. I mean, when you're when you're looking at 
you know the the discography of the band Wendy. Oh, Wendy, so good. In fact, oh. I I half suspected you were going to have Wendy on your names. Yeah, that would have been a good one. I yeah. really I I kept waiting for it and it wasn't there. That, that wouldn't surprise me. I almost had Caroline no. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I came Caroline. real close. Of course, I, I wasn't limiting myself to the one name titles. I suppose I probably just knew I would use the Beach Boys elsewhere and I didn't want to get too yeah. heavy on no, the Beach Boys. That's so. fair. No, I'll defer to you this all time right, and all we, right. we will save it. California I'll girls. I mean, I could always cheat and, you know, change artists and say David Lee Roth, but, <clears throat> uh, but I'm not going to do that. <laughs> <laughs> Choking my coffee there. Oh, come on. Uh, you know, it His was a version, version was fun. It was a fun it was version. Fun. It was. It, it was not bad. The it was video bad. for Teenage Allen was yeah, no, that was that yeah. was so, yeah. Uh, we'll talk about objectifying women exactly. once again. Wow, that, that was. But uh, yeah, that was. Yeah, um, yeah no, we, I will defer to you, and we'll save California right. girls for another. Because yeah, mine just—it's not summer specific, really. Yours is without doubt, without question. You know, so it's a, I think it's a better choice. All right, I'll take it. All right, well now, folks, if this for the the old days, I tell you to hit rewind because. Now would be the appropriate time to talk about Chief Wahoo. My next song is by John Fogarty, ah. and it is titled Centerfield. Nice. Okay, yeah, this works. This works. Yeah, the, the song was inspired by Fogarty's childhood memories of baseball, and although he didn't play the game, he loved watching it and hearing the stories that his father would tell, especially about the legendary New York Yankees center fielder Joe DiMaggio, who, like Fogarty, was from San Francisco. In an interview with Major League Baseball, Fogarty explained, I'd hear about Ruth and DiMaggio, and as my dad and older brothers talked about the babes' exploits, their eyes would go so big. When I was a little kid, uh, there were no teams on the West Coast, which, yeah, that would be true, you know, given the, the time. So the idea of a Major League team was really mythical to me. The players were heroes to me for as long as I could remember. And Fogarty added, it is about baseball, but it is also a metaphor about getting yourself motivated, about facing the challenge of one thing or another, at least at the beginning of an endeavor. It is about getting yourself already whatever is necessary for the job. Now, Fogarty left Credence, Clearwater Revival, in 72, and he released solo albums in 73 and 75, both sold really poorly. So for the next 10 years, Fogarty refused to record because of legal battles with his record company. But when Centerfield was finally released in 85, there you go. Finally have a song for you. For All right. When Centerfield was fully released in 85, it hit that mark thanks to this title track. Um, the song was really a risk uh, because baseball, you know, was, was not, is not a sport that's exactly rock worthy in the minds of most people. And, um, the Major League Baseball interview, Fogarty said that over the years it seemed like sports songs just didn't qualify into the rock and roll lexicon. Um, there was that unwritten distinction, he said. It was it was never considered rock and roll. And he said he, he, he realized that by creating the song, uh, he would very much put baseball in a rock and roll setting. Um, he expected it to be roundly thrashed by owners of the flame. That, that's his, his words, not mine. Um, but the song caught on. I mean, this song actually climbed uh, the charts fairly well mm-hmm. for, for, you know, what it was. Yeah. It never cracked the top 40. It, it stalled at 44. But, I mean, it was one of those bubbling under... It was on AOR radio oh, a lot. Oh, yeah. AOR constantly, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it got enough media attention that it made an impression because you cannot go to any ball field today 
any stadium without hearing, at the very least, you know that that introduction with the clapping. I mean, it's it's so ingrained. Well, it's the strongest song on that record, and um, "Rock and Roll Girls" was a hit. Right. Um, there was another single on there that was a hit, which surprised me why you know Center Field didn't hit the top yeah. forty because it's the strongest on that album. It is, and and here's here's the the thing for a song that did not crack the top forty, and for for being you know that the lowest charting of, of the three singles, this is the one you hear all the time. Yeah, I mean, on radio today, enduring. if you're listening to an 80s station, you will hear Centerfield. I guarantee it will be played. You know, in the song, Fogarty name drops a lot. <laughs> he, he name drops the legendary players, DiMaggio, Mays, and Ty Cobb. But that's not all. He also makes a literary allusion to the mighty Casey strikeout mm-hmm. from Ernest Lawrence Thayer's epic poem, Casey at the Bat. Um, he pays tribute to baseball announcer uh, Lon Simmons, who called games for the San Francisco Giants. And he also references the 1956 single Brown-Eyed Handsome Man by his idol Chuck Berry. So he's, he's really kind of playing to all of his, his idols and, and you know, all the things that he loved as, as a child coming of age. Well, I beat the drum and hold the phone. The sun came out today. We're born. John Fogarty, uh, as you might know, is is already in both the Songwriters and the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But what you may not know is he is also the only musician honored and inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. On July 25th, 2010, in honor of the 25th anniversary of Centerfield's release, Fogarty played the song at the Hall induction ceremonies, and he became the first musician honored, uh, which is really kind of cool. At the ceremony... Uh, Fogarty donated a custom-made baseball bat-shaped guitar to the Baseball Hall of Fame. So that'd be something to see if we ever, you know, sojourn there. So, um, yeah, I here's the thing. Baseball is my sport. It's the only one that I religiously follow. I, I used to be diehard football, and it's coming back. See, it's flipped for me. I, I, I Baseball's really waned for me lately. Really? Yeah. I, I, it's com- football is coming back for me. When, when we lost him to Baltimore years ago, I just stopped watching. And I know we've had the team back for years, but we haven't had the team. Well, we back. haven't had the back team yeah. back. <laughs> exactly. So I just, I mean, yeah, they they were there, but I, I didn't care anymore. Now, and you can call me a Fairweather fan if you want, but I've never strayed from Cleveland. I just, I just lost interest in the sport. But you know, now, given you know the events from last season, football's. I, I'm, I'm, I can see myself maybe getting excited about it again. But baseball has been a constant, and we used to go to the games when. Cleveland would pay you to go to the game because you know the attendance was you know you'd, you'd be one of maybe twenty people in in, in old. Well, it was the, the stadium was really not a baseball stadium. It no, held eighty thousand people, and they might draw three thousand, so yeah. it looked even worse. It did. And and, it really was, and restricted views everywhere or obstruct. 
restricted. Well, but you could move, but you, you could move. Oh yeah. Now you, for Browns games, you might be stuck behind a pillar. Right, yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah. For the Indians, I, we used to change sections all the. No one cared. There right. was no one there, um, and you know, it, it just we always went. And I mean, I I suffered through as as you did, as we all did, suffered through season after season of the Indians being dead last in their division. And yeah, I've, I've never, that that's my sport because my dad ingrained to in me, you know, baseball is his love and it's, it's the only sport that I've ever truly been passionate about. So to me, it is summer. I mean, whether it's the pros, you know, or, or whether it's the little league, I mean, it, it is a summer game and, you know, just that image of kids playing ball, Maybe in the street yelling car, you know, as they car, have to yep, yep. move off the street. I mean, really showing our age there as well. But I, you know, it's to me that's summer and center field just made perfect sense. So perfect pick. Perfect. If I would have thought of it, I'd have put it on my list. All right. All right. This one is a classic James Taylor single featuring a narrator who fantasizes what it would be like to spend time in our neighboring country. To the south. Uh, Mexico. Mexico from 1975's album Gorilla. The lyrics include colorful imagery of the hot sun eventually sinking low. Gets close to summer nights, but not quite. Just the sun's beginning to sink. It's not nighttime, so yep. it still qualifies. Mm-hmm. To the uh, sleepy senorita with eyes on fire. And the little twist at the end, which I've always enjoyed, because the first few verses, you know, you feel like, talk about unreliable narrator, right? You feel like he's this expert, this travel expert on Mexico, and then you find out he's never been to Mexico. (laughs) Uh, Never really been, but I'd sure like to go. And uh, it's kind of like the veneer is taken off and he um, is, you know, having domestic issues at home or whatever, just things aren't going well for him. And uh, now he knows he has to go to Mexico. So it's, it, it, in many ways it's, it's Buffett-esque. In fact, Buffett has has covered this in studio um, version and live. Um, but it, it is an idea. It, it's an escapist idea. That idea of you know, no matter what's going on in your life, you can always take time, close your eyes, and just imagine yourself on the beach in the sun, drinking you know tequila, kind of like the uh, like Toes from the Zac Brown oh, Band. You know, great song. Just kind of um, you know escaping for for just a little bit, even if only in your mind. Yep. Um, so yeah, this you know you, you said you have staples of summer playlists that you've made. This is a staple on all of my summer playlists. Um, it's kind of a, a way to you know if I don't want, if I'm getting a little Buffett heavy, I can I can put the James Taylor version and have right um, you know not have to put Buffett's version on, but his version's great too. It is, it, yeah, it's excellent. He really it is kind of makes it his own as well. It kind of closes out Barometer Soup, and at the end he calls back the characters from the uh, the record and so forth. Yeah, no, it. it yeah, Buffett's version is fantastic. But Taylor's, I mean, it's it's just a great song. I yep. I, I didn't even think about it for this episode, frankly. And, and, and Taylor is, you know, the singer-songwriter um, kind of chill vibe, you know. <laughs> Very. Yeah. Um, and this, this one is, you know, a little more upbeat. He, he has a few, you know, uh, How Sweet It Is, semi-up-tempo yeah. songs. Right. Um, and this is his one of his semi-up-tempo songs. Yeah. It's not nearly as chill as, as, as a lot of his. Way down here... Simple, I just got to go. The sun's so hot, I forgot to go home. 
Remember when we were in college, and, and he comes to Blossom Music Center every summer. Oh, yeah. And uh, this, so this would have been a 30 years ago. Gosh, we, we said, we better go see him before he dies. That was 30 years ago. Yeah. He's still coming to Blossom, and I still haven't seen him. Well, I, I invited you this this uh, yeah, time, but you were actually you were just out of town. I, yeah. I didn't go. I would have gone. I need yeah. to go. I, it, I, I'd like to see him. I, I really would. The um, fact that he's touring 30 years after we thought he was too old to live. Yeah. <laughs> of course, our perspective was a little skewed when we were 18 right. years old. But. No, I, I very much would have liked to have seen him, but I, I, I don't know, the the wife is not one for James I mean she would have gone with me but it was it was more just a nostalgia thing and when you said you were out of town I'm like next year <laughs> well it's a pro- I, I hate- eventually there won't be a next year though is, I know we need problem. to we need to make a prior I'm not I don't like Blossom Music Center to see a show um, for lots of reasons just I don't like the layout and acoustics and especially if you're on the lawn if you're actually in the pavilion close to the stage the pavilion's, it's, it's yeah. a nice spot to be it is uh, but this is one of those where what Blossom was made for which it was really made for like classical concerts yeah um, this is perfect for that you take a lawn chair sit just chill with you know yeah. beverage of your choice and listen to James Taylor in, a, in the summer evening perfect yeah. I, you know I, I do like I like Blossom um, but I much prefer Riverbend yeah. Because Cincinnati is outdoor venue, the pavilion, well, just the lawn, you know, the the venue itself. Uh, Riverbend is so much nicer than than Blossom, and you just I, can't see the stage from the lawn at Blossom. Yeah, no, I, well, if you get high enough, you can. But the lower you go on that that hillside, yeah, it's just it's really. Uh, you can see the screens if they have screens. Not all the performers well, bring screens, that, but yeah, that's true too. All right, well. Uh, Yep, that's that's you, you my good? pick. Yep. All right, my next one. I am going to give you "Wildflowers" by Tom Petty. Nice. I love this song. This is another one that makes every summer playlist for me. Always has. Uh, "Wildflowers" is the opening track from Tom Petty's 1994 album of the same name. Uh, it is one of my absolute favorite tracks by Petty. It it's, was never released as a single, yet it charted anyway (laughs) on the Billboard Hot Rock Songs, peaking at number 16. Uh, It was a staple of his live performances, and it became one of the most beloved songs in Petty's catalog. Uh, It's it's just a beautiful song that features a simple but effective folk-based chord progression with a sprightly, almost country-oriented rhythm. Uh, Petty said that Wildflowers was the easiest song he'd ever written and composed. In an interview with Rolling Stone, he said... I just took a deep breath and it came out. The whole song, stream of consciousness, words, music, chords, finished it. I mean, I just played it into a tape recorder and I played the whole song and I never played it again. I actually only spent three and a half minutes on the whole song. So I'd come back for days playing the tape thinking there must be something wrong here because that just came too easy. And then I realized there was nothing wrong at all. It was perfect as is. So I I, I had to agree with this, his summary there I mean it, it's just to me it is just it's almost romantic you know the, the idea you know that you belong among the wild flowers and just the imagery it, it's 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 beautiful imagery um, Wildflowers was one of the few non-singles included on Petty's compilation The Best of Everything uh, which makes sense as it is also his fourth most streamed solo song and seventh most streamed song overall, hmm. including, you know, with and without the Heartbreakers. Now, that would be on Spotify. 
um, specifically on Spotify. You belong among the wildflowers. You belong in a boat out at sea. Sail away, kill off the hours. You belong somewhere. You feel free. In August of last year, last thing I'll say, a home-recorded demo version of the song was posthumously released as a single alongside a music video. So Wildflowers, I guess, now has been officially released, but it's the demo of the song that was released. Uh, The video contains, I guess, never-before-seen footage shot by Martin Atkins during the recording of Wildflowers. Uh, Again, something I found in my research, but uh, researching very late for this episode, later than usual. I, I did not have a chance to look it up and, and see it for myself. But um, yeah, it's just, I, I I love the tune. And to me, it is it is right there again in that vibe um, and, and perfect for a summer, summer day. Great so. choice. Yeah. I know it's an obvious choice, but I still love American Girl. That's oh, yeah. like, yeah. And um, what's, oh, what's the one? You got lucky. And I know it's kind of an, an off single, but I love that song too. Oh, yeah. oh really, well, here's the thing about Petty. Every every single. I mean, he is one that when I listen to his greatest, I, again, I've never been a huge fan, but I sang along with every song that came on the radio. I would turn up whenever he came on the radio. Turn up the volume. I. I, I just I own all of his albums. Don't come around here no more. Yeah. Seriously, what other decade is that a hit? Like yeah. literally, like yeah. what other decade? It's such a weird song, and it was a hit. Yeah, I mean, he he was just, you know, he really was just incredible, and I, I yeah, I, I don't think the man had a bad track. I mean, the deep cuts are all are are all, you know, fabulous, and then the singles, every last one of them is is it's just can you know. You cannot not sing along. It's right. it's, just, it's just it's it's timeless. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, here's another song that was rejected last season, and what <laughs> lost the face off, um, which was fine because the one that we chose it was it was like a, a peg Josie situation where I couldn't decide which one, and we went with your choice because I think it fit the. Sand and surf a little bit. Well, no, they both did. But anyway, I'm going to throw it back out here again because I love this song. Um, you know, I'm not a country fan. I do like Zach Brown. Okay. Um, you don't oh. know where I'm going with this. Here? I know exactly where you're going. Um, but he is one of yeah one of the fewer country acts that I actually enjoy. And this selection is a home run for a summer day's mixtape, Knee Deep. Yep. And I didn't know if you were going to pick any Buffett, but this is another way to get. 
Buffett on twice <laughs> because Buffett is featured. He sings the second verse and, and some of the chorus yeah. uh, on this as well. I um I almost went with Needy, but then I decided instead to include Above a Tomb, which is my next. Cool. Um, so yeah, no, it it made the list this time, Dave. Both, it, both of your songs made the yay. made the made the mixtape, and it's so much like Toes. It's very very similar. Um, I. I I know it's popular than Toes. I prefer this over Toes. I really do. I like Toes, but this this just whatever. It's not, not even the fact that Buffett's on it. It's just a infectious little little riff there. On uh, it's, it's like I think he's playing a mandolin. It's just oh, it's great. Gonna put the world away for a minute. Pretend I don't live in it. Sunshine gonna wash my blues away. Had sweet love, but I lost it. She got too close, so I fought it. Now I'm lost in the world, trying to find me a better way. Wishing I was deep, deep in the water somewhere. Got the blue sky breeze, and it don't seem fair. Only worry in the world is a tide gonna reach my chair. Sunrise, there's a fire in the sky. Never been so happy, never felt so high. And I think I might have found me my own kind of paradise. Everybody has different things they like to do on vacation. And, um, you know, I've traveled with, with different family members or friends to the beach. And, you know, there are people that just, you know, it's, it's difficult for them to sit still. Yeah. The idea of going to the beach for more than like an hour, I think that's my son. It's like, okay, we've been here an hour. Let's go do something, you know, fun, which I like to go for bike rides and play putt-putt golf and, you know, catch a beer and all those things. I like doing that stuff on vacation, too. But I am a beach sitter. Uh-huh. Um, before kids, you know, BC before before children, uh, my wife, <laughs> my my wife and I on vacation, we would we would you know get to the beach at like nine in the morning with our beach chairs and our books, and we would literally stay there like till five or six o'clock, just sitting. You know, I, I'd love taking my chair, just like the song talks about. I, 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 if the tide was going out, I'd chase the tide, and when it's coming back in, I'd have to keep moving it back. You know, uh, every fifteen minutes or so, it's like, all right, move the chair back. Uh, sometimes I didn't care; the water would just come up, and I'd get wet, and it was so hot it, it, it didn't matter. So, yeah, um, just love the idea of the song. Um, you know, the, the video, on the other hand, <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the video. I have never seen the video. So the video is weird enigma here because the video stars Juliet Lewis, which I love her. Yeah, she, and, and then she plays a character, but it looks like the like if you didn't know it was Zach Brown, it looks like the the let's put it this way the production values are so poor, it looks like a student film. Yeah, it's it's really you have to check it sometime. Well, the the parts where Zach Brown's sitting with an acoustic guitar and and lip syncing to the song, those are fine. That looks like a, a well produced music video. Okay. But when they cut away to this like sub story about these people that I think they're hijacked by pirates or natives or something, and they end up on a, it, it it's it's really bad. <laughs> the acting's bad. The production's bad. Well, it's like it's weird. Well, let me ask: Do you is it was it a deliberate? attempt to make a bad it could have been but usually i can spot that when they're okay. trying to be ironic a little bit right you know i i don't know so I just, it's not you don't think it's intentional i just felt okay. like not that i'm you know some experienced filmmaker but the, it was jarring the fact that the two productions didn't even match like the the part where you know, obviously they were filmed separately so when you see him with his acoustic guitar fit that was right country to me is such I I don't dislike country and I feel like it comes across that I do but I don't 
it, it, it's always going to take a back seat to the other three. I, I want rock and roll, blues, or jazz before country. I, I'm never in a country mood. I mean, that doesn't exist. Now, older country, you know, that to me is a little bit different because, and we've had this conversation before. Sure. You know, older country, it, you know, it, it has almost that classic rock feel. It integrates, you know, it, it, it blends very nicely with southern rock, you know, and, but so much of today, well, for one thing, today's country might as well be pop music, much of it, because they, they make such a, a very, I, I feel, a very clear attempt to cross over. Right. And, you know, this is coming from someone whose cousin is a songwriter in Nashville. Uh, it, it's just, you know, I, I just, there are artists that I enjoy, there are tracks that I like. I love the tropical stuff. I mean, Buffett, obviously, Zach Brown, love him. Kenny Chesney, not as much, but I, I can really enjoy a lot of his stuff. Um, I love Little Big Town. I love those that, that start playing and, you know, are beach-themed, but I, I just... Uh, well, even, I haven't listened to a lot, a lot of Zach Brown's deep tracks, but it, I think I would even like his... Oh, you would. ...non-tropical stuff, yeah, because to me it's more Americana... Yeah, it is. ...than country. It very much. And because every song isn't about, you know... Excuse the cliche, but pickup trucks and beer right. and yeah, it, it, it seems it has a little wider range of yeah. And I know country has a wider range. Oh, and, I, and I know it's do. a stereotype. Yeah, but. and yeah, they, they definitely do. Uh, but it's but the stereotype is very much a stereotype for, for a reason when it comes to country music. I mean, it's you know I, anyway. <laughs> yes. Well, it is what it is. But I, Zach Brown is one of those artists. I, I would love to see the man live. Yeah. I'd, no, I'd, that would be a good show. I, I think it'd be a, an incredible show. And, and like we've mentioned before, he and Kenny Chesney—they're—they're they're smart in positioning themselves to take over As for the Buffett. Next Buffett. I mean, I got to yeah. hand it to Buffett. I mean, he's—he's he's in his seventies. Um, you know, he's—he's he's looking older, obviously these days, but he's still out there playing, oh, yeah. recording. Um, he's, he's, there's no retirement, no. which is ironic because all his music is it's about, about yeah. not working and, yeah. and he's out there still working at his age. So, But there will be a time where there will be no more, kind of like the dead, there'll be no more Buffett concerts, unfortunately. Yeah. And, um, you know, kind of the big, of course, the big trend recently now are these music festivals. I go to the ones that are more geared towards alternative music. Um, you know, I took my son to a metal one one time, and of course, Country Fest is huge, and we have Country Fest here in Stark County. And, Absolutely, um, I have a lot of friends and coworkers that, that go every year. So, um, yeah, it, it just kind of feeds into that. So, there's probably a little, very little difference between Country Fest and and a, and a Buffett concert, except people are dressed in grass skirts and coconut bras. <laughs> Well, I, you're not going to hear a lot of steel drums at Country Fest, though. No, but it's the same type of atmosphere. It, it is. It's a party it, in the parking it lot it kind of thing. Absolutely. You're coming there for the party and, and, the, and, the, and the, the companionship as much as the music itself. You are. Well, the, yeah, absolutely. All right. My next song, I went with Tin Cup Chalice. Mm, nice. Yeah. By Jimmy Buffett. Uh, although it was not commercially successful uh, at the time of its release, um, A1A is Great generally album. considered mm. to be one of Jimmy Buffett's very best albums. Yeah. It established his tropical persona and it introduced the world to 40-year-old pirates. Uh, the, the album is the perfect introduction to his music for those that are new to the Parrothead experience. Actually, I considered uh, Life is Just a, a Tire Swing for, from that album for this. Oh, yeah. that would have been... We'll talk about deep cuts. Yeah, I know. It's, it's I, I considered an, it. It was on my list for a while. It's an incredible, incredible song. Um, the album is... As I said, the perfect introduction uh, to anyone who is is new to Buffett, really. 
the songs on side one of the album are largely country-oriented. They're typical of his material from the early and mid-70s. But what sets A1A apart from the albums that came before it is that magical side two. Because when you flip the vinyl over, the entire second side of the album was nautical-themed, which would become then a feature of Buffett's music that followed his move to Key West, Florida. And among those tracks is Tin Cup Chalice. Now, Tin Tin Cup Chalice, folks, was Buffett's first Key West song, first song he wrote when he got to Key West. Uh, At the time, he was running from a bad marriage and a trail of debt, and he wound up at the end of America. And for a short while before moving to Key West, he was living with country singer-songwriter Jerry Jeff Walker and his girlfriend, Murphy, in Coconut Grove, Florida. But one day, Jerry, Jeff, and Murphy loaded their old 1947 Packard and said to Buffett, we're going to go to Key West. Come with us. You'll, you'll love it down there. Buffett, who had never been, got in the car, and they took him to the Key West, and it changed Buffett's life. According to Buffett, Walker introduced him to scallywags, buskers, and city officials. Um, and then, you know, as an aside, Buffett kind of hints that there's not much difference between the three. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and he said as well as the people of the chart room bar where he began performing live, that was his first gig when he got to Key West. When Walker and Murphy returned to Coconut Grove, Buff, uh, Buffett stayed in Key West, and he never went back. He said, quote, I'd been a teenager on Bourbon Street in college. I knew Nor- New Orleans from childhood, and Key West just had that same kind of magic. Now, it was easy to forget his failed marriage and his mountain of debt in Key West because nobody cared about either there. Nobody asked what he was running from. What the locals did care about was taking time each day to applaud the sunset. Tin, yeah. Cup, Tin Cup Chalice came from Buffett's first time watching the sunset in Key West. Have you been down there to watch the sunset? I have never been to the Key West. It is. Everybody just, yeah, it's, never, a, it's a big... Yeah. party every night and and yeah that's what my that's what my research uh found I've, I've never been to the keys i've been to florida i've been all over that state countless times but i've never been to the keys um but yeah apparently you know like you said um you know everybody especially in key west they they all gather uh, apparently at mallory square mm-hmm. and they watch the sun sink low yep and according to buffett they sing and they dance that's awesome uh it was there that he befriended a wide variety of very eccentric uh, mm-hmm. individuals, uh, one of which, uh, and he, they became very good friends, uh, was by the name of Guy Lavaberte. I don't know if you know who that is. He, uh, When Buffett met him, he entertained at sunsets uh, with a troop of acrobat cats. He had cats that he had trained to do acrobatics. Well, trip. it's funny you should say that then, because when I was down there, there was a cat jumping through hula hoops. Really? So well, maybe that was the same guy. I don't think it was the same guy. All right. Because Guy Laliberte then went on to create Cirque du Soleil. Oh, okay. Um, well, I was down there, but I was down there in now he the early have, 90s. He may have had protege. I distinctly or, remember what well, course it wasn't a bunch of cats. I distinctly remember there was a guy with a cat and a hula hoop. Maybe it was and him. And this cat was doing these tricks. You know, it, it might have still been him. Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just assumed because Buffett, um, you know, 
when reading about it, he and yeah, no, probably somebody different, but yeah, I mean, what it might have been a protege, but who knows? Maybe he invented Cirque and decided he's done. I want to go home yeah, and return yeah. to. I, I don't know, um, but I just found that 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 is funny. Yeah. So you actually saw Acrobat? I was well before you said that. I was I was going to wait till you were finished with your thought, but I was going to say that I went down there, and the only thing I remember other than the sunset was watching this guy with this cat and this hula hoop. So huh. yeah. That's awesome. Well, yeah, I, Buffett, he said that, you know, his first time watching the sunset, it was just as as revelatory watching the people watch the sunset. Hmm. That was what inspired Ten Cup Chalice. Um, he said the Ten Cup Chalice came out of the fact that he was so enchanted with the island, the crazy wacko people that he fell in with, and the history, too, of all the writers who had been there before him. At the time, though, Buffett uh, said writers in Key West were novelists. They were literary writers. There was nobody down there at the time, when he first arrived, who was a nationally known singer. But, of course, that was going to soon change. Um, There were a lot of people singing in bars, however, and Buffett credits them for his success. He says he got a lot of inspiration and story ideas from them, and in the years since, Jimmy Buffett has become synonymous, of course, with Key West. This song marked the beginning of his years-long journey and his constant search for that lost container of salt. I want to go back to the island Where the shrimp to the pile Give me oysters and beer for dinner every day So a little bit of advice, if you go, and it just was by chance. I was staying in Miami, and we decided, well, let's just go down to Key West. It's not that far, you know, and there's, of course, a road that stretches through all the, all the different keys right. in the islands. And we happened to go in the evening. And so we were driving. I mean, there are there are stretches where it, it just you feel like you're in the middle of the, you are. You're in the middle of the, of the Gulf because there's just water everywhere. It's a, just a really cool sensation and and we happened to be driving when when the sun was setting um and then of course we stayed and the next night we went and saw the whole festival aspect of it but one of the most beautiful drives ever and i've been describing this drive to my wife now that i've built up for almost what 25 plus years um we think maybe next year the year after we're planning on taking a trip and we're not going to fly to key west we're going to fly to miami we're going to rent a car and we're going to take that drive in the evening because I want her to experience that. That'd be awesome. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted to go. And like I said, I have family all over Florida. I have family in Lauderdale, family in Orlando, family in Tampa, family in everywhere in Florida. And I've been to the state probably very nearly every year of my, my life, but I've never, never been to the Keys. It's like 
it's it's almost a magical place for me. You know, it's definitely on the bucket list. It's probably the most accessible thing. Well, it's on just, the bucket it's list. The crazy thing is, it's just little. It's a small town. It's yeah. not. It's like a small beach town. I mean, you can walk everywhere. We walked to Hemingway's house. We walked to the southernmost point of the United States, and they right. have a thing denoting that. And then, of course, they have the the, the west side and east side of, of the beach. Um, but yeah, you you have this that downtown area where the bars are Captain Tony's. I went to Captain Tony's. Um, sloppy Joe's and so forth. But then right. like a, two blocks later, there are houses where there are just chickens walking around in the yard. It's just, it's really bizarre. <laughs> Someday. Now, have you ever, have you only been to Key West? Like, uh, Marathon Key, we stopped and we did some, some okay. snorkeling so, there, but that's okay. about it. That's bad. So you haven't done like Key Largo or? No, I haven't and, stayed over, okay. no, huh? Yeah, some, I, I don't know. I, it's it's definitely something I want to do. I just, but the problem is my wife is not necessarily a fan of the beach. She's, she doesn't swim. She doesn't know how to swim. She doesn't. She's, you don't have to swim at the beach. Well, no, but, but if she's afraid of water, and she, she's like she's like your son yeah. in that all she can do is sit there, right. and she gets really no, no, she can sit for hours, but she starts to get antsy because my son also does not like going in the water, and he is one who is not. He 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 definitely wants to get up and go do right, something. Right. And then my older son, of course, Joel. Joel will do whatever anyone else is. He he just he just throws you know his hat into the into whatever's happening. But but yeah, it's it's really hard for me to get them to go to any beach. So you know, imagining an entire vacation sitting on an island is just it's well. But if you go down there, like you say, there's there you can do some snorkeling. Now she doesn't swim; she wouldn't enjoy that. But there's right. snorkeling. Um, like I say, the bars, the restaurants, the nightlife. There's a lot more to do in Key West than just sit on oh, the yeah, beach. Oh yeah, well, and I think I, I could probably sell it on our next trip to Florida as like a. We'll just take a day two, or two like excursion. A, a day yeah, trip, don't spend a whole week trip, there. Yeah, right. um, you know, just and it'll happen. It just hasn't happened yet, but you know, forty eight. I got to get down there eventually before I run out of yeah, you know, years to enjoy it. So. <laughs> All right, we're on your number. 12. My last. This is my yeah. last one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. What you got for us? All right. Well, um, got to bring a little bit of new wave kind of alternative back into the fold here. This uh-huh. is from 1987. Okay. okay. Um, this is from a band that Gen Xers probably remember. If you're not a Gen Xer, you probably don't know them. Although you may know some of their songs because they, basically, they're a tale of what would happen if you two hadn't have made it. In fact, this band toured with U2, and they were the opening act for U2 in their 1983 tour of America. I'm talking about The Alarm. Oh, my, I haven't thought about The Alarm See? All right, years. That, that's what I said. Right? Wow. Okay. They've been forgotten by many Xers. Um, like I said, not likely known to younger generations. Um, people call them like a mini U2. Um, of course, with U2, Joshua Tree was recorded, and they went one path, and The Alarm continued to make several albums up to that point, including, in fact, 87, the song I'm choosing here, uh, a song called Rain in the Summertime, came out the same year as Joshua Tree. Hmm. So, tale of two bands. Um, this song was a single, but failed to hit the top 40 in yeah, the U.S. I say, I don't, I don't know this Yeah, it was, it was, it was. It's a standard for them. In fact, their greatest hits is called Standards. It's a standard for them, but it's not one that's widely known. Um, I, I, it's played on... on um, Satellite radio on first wave. Okay. So I've heard it on there before. But um, perhaps it didn't chart very well because it was released in October <laughs> instead of the actual summertime, yeah. which would have made sense. Um, the band was kind of facing some inner 
turmoil during the you know recording of this album. Um, I, I think a lot of it had to do with we talked about last week um, sharing the royalties, how Katrina and the Waves and YouTube bands like that right. shared the publishing royalties. Um, I think in this case that's they didn't do that. I mean that's why U2 still around and the alarm isn't um, because the primary songwriters in the band. Mike Peters and I don't remember the other um, primary songwriter. Uh, I think had got got all the royalties, and then the other two members. Dave Sharp was one. I know he's the guitar player and went on and had a solo career as well. But um, yeah, either way, they they just um, they had some turmoil in the band, uh, largely due because of of that. And when they finished recording this album, that's why they called it "Eye of the Storm" because or "Eye of the Hurricane." Sorry, because they had this kind of issue but they resolved it they came through at the other end and so this song was kind of written as a way of saying they made it through and it's the idea of this we always associate you know sunshine with summer obviously most of our songs have been about sunshine but I thought what if we look at it this way the idea of the rain in the summertime right so you have your really hot blistering day remember as a kid there's just really hot humid days and you're out playing all day and then all of a sudden the clouds roll in out of nowhere and it just downpours and as a kid it just feels like heaven because it just instantly cools down you're a kid it doesn't matter if you're soaked you're just running around in the rain. I used to love playing in the I rain. I mean, I have a video of my kids running around in the rain like oh, yeah. that. It's just such a great, you know, now as an adult, we're like, eh, get inside. But it, it's that idea of this just this feel-good rain in the summertime. a metaphor it's not a biographical metaphor for kind of resolving some of their turmoil in the band but i love it as a as just the imagery of what it was like as a kid to get caught in a rainstorm very cool yeah so what, what were your alternates uh alternates those lazy hazy lazy, crazy. crazy days of summer <laughs> which um was one of nat king cole's probably one of his last it, hits in '63. I think it was his. I think it was his last hit. And I could be wrong. He but. he died pretty young, forty at age forty five of lung cancer. Uh, I knew he was a heavy smoker. What I did not know was that he forced himself to smoke up to three packs a day to retain his raspy singing voice. He felt like if he quit smoking or if he lessened the amount that he was smoking, he would lose that edge of his voice and he would no longer be able to sell. Ironically, he ended up dying, so he didn't. 
wasn't able to continue right. either way. I think he just felt like he had. He, in fact, there was a quote he said, "You know, if you if you're not if you're not a smoker, basically you're not a singer." I'm paraphrasing because um, he felt that just you needed that to give character to your voice. That is so odd because yeah. smoking it basically destroys your singing voice well but if you have but, a rasp like well, a stevie yeah, no, nicks and I, I get that there was yeah. a friends episode when not that i'm a big friends fan but when phoebe was sick and and she had that whole right tone to her voice and she kept trying to stay sick so yeah. she could sound sexier um there is something to that rasp i love how you just like tried to defend yourself I'm, not that I'm a, not that I'm a friends fan I can't oh friends <laughs> you do know that we have a number of listeners that probably love and that's fine I, I had a girl I, I, I had a girlfriend at the time my yeah, wife now right and so I watched it was, dutifully I watched all them well and I'm not I, I'm just it was just funny to me how you not not, <laughs> not that I am a friend not that I'm a little <laughs> defensive there or anything uh, another one was One Particular Harbor by Jimmy uh, Buffett yeah um, just because that is to me of all the Buffett songs the first one I put on you know when it's springtime and it's that first nice day right that 65 degree day we talked about and I, I pull out the blender and I pull out the, the margarita mix and the tequila and yep. I decide to hit a song that's where I start that one is there, there are two Buffett songs that make every summer playlist I've ever made and that would be Pirate Looks at 40 yep. and One Particular, one particular. but I for this episode though I, I didn't I wanted I, I guess Tin Cup Chalice was more the vibe I sure. was looking for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. but um, yeah, no, I totally get it. It's always one. Of, it's it's really my my first choice by Buffett always. And if the Zac Brown Band video for Knee Deep was bad, <laughs> now Buffett didn't make music videos, um, except with the exception of Fruitcakes, yeah, which Fruitcakes was kind was, of a, a high concept, um, well produced if not pretty right. cheesy video. Nineteen eighty three though, there actually is a video for one particular harbor. Really, and I had to dig on YouTube to find it. I've, I I found I finally found the video, and there's a reason why it's been buried. You're gonna have to share the link. Oh, it's me. it's it, again. It's it's it's. I mean, I get it. Performer musical performers aren't necessarily actors, and I think the timing was off on the video because it was an old VHS copy, so mm. it didn't match up. But yeah, it was it was pretty pretty bad you can <laughs> he, yeah. he, he didn't need videos to sell his music right he well, wasn't a commercial no. um, musician it was more about the uh when, the fans that kept him afloat well you know and, and that was the time when he finally really just his career took off right i mean the lab because the three albums in succession it was Co- um coconut telegraph one particular harbor and last mango in paris those three I mean, that was when his first fans were bringing their children right. to his concerts. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, yeah, he, at that point, he didn't have to do much of anything except show up because his legacy was sealed. Yep. You know. Yep. Um, the last two, real quick uh, I Soak Up the Sun by Sheryl Crow. Uh, I had that on my list for so long and then I got rid of it. Great, great song. And she it was is. battling, she actually, she was coming back from a, from a surgery and she kind of wanted to lift her own spirit. So she wrote the song. Yeah. It actually ended up being more about consumerism by the time she was finished with it. But, yeah. and then the last one was a song that we used um, uh, last year, but it's a song that's on every single summer mixtape that I've ever made. And that's Magic by the Cars. Uh, that would have been the first one we repeated. Yep. 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 I didn't, didn't need to pull it out. So those okay. are mine. How about you? All right. Well, I get to pick two of them. So I'm going to tell you, uh, I'm going to tell you the, the ones that I know I'm not going to pick first. <laughs> so, um, all right. So I had, first of all, uh, A Beautiful Morning by the Rascals. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Um, which is just, it is such a beautiful song. song. Sure. And it, it, it's just, it was their follow-up to Groovin', much in the same vein. I mean, it, it just, it was also their first grown-up song because prior to this, they had been the Young Rascals. Right. And this was the first single released under the name The Rascals. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's talking about, you know, it's a beautiful day. Let's go outside. Let's enjoy the sun. I mean, it's exactly what we've been talking about. Then I had Hot Fun in the Summertime by mm-hmm. Sly and the Family Stone, which, again, right in that vibe. All, I mean, the vibe was very real for me. Do you have I Can See Clearly? Because that fits along with all of those. I had that for the longest time, and then I, I nixed it for something else. Okay. Um, but, yeah, Hot Fun in the Summertime, Sly and the Family Stone, um, it's just that happy-go-lucky melody coupled with frontman Sly's soulful tone. I mean, it, it it's you know a tune that perfectly encapsulates the mood of every summertime to come. I mean, it's it's forever going to be one of the greats. Uh, In the summertime by Mungo Jerry, um, which is almost novelty at this point. Um, they were a one-hit wonder, although they had far more success uh, with follow-up singles in the UK than they did here. Um, but a few songs have endured, like in the summertime, um, which really finds its way onto playlists every summer, everywhere you go. And it's constantly being commissioned for movies, TV shows, commercials. Um, the the one thing I will say, though, not all of the, the lyrics to that one have aged particularly well. Mm, yeah. um, like uh, one lyric in particular, it says, have a drink, have a drive, okay, go out and see what you can find. That actually ended up servicing in a UK public service campaign against drunk driving. Ooh. And then there is the exceptionally sketchy lines, if her daddy's rich, take her out for a meal. If her daddy's poor, just do what you feel. Ooh. So, ah. yeah, do not take dating advice from Mungo Jerry. <laughs> but but it is a fun song. It's not, I'm not going to pick it. Um, here are the three that remain, and I get to pick two of them. The first, I mean, all I have to do is give you, you know, the... The, the chorus itself they give you the nice bright colors give you the greens mm, of summer makes yeah. you think all oh, the Simon. world's a sunny day it's a yeah. good one yeah I love Coda Kodachrome is another one that just makes every summer playlist I've ever done which is actually kind of interesting because it's not a, it's not a song about summers it's a song about taking pictures but um, it's about taking pictures in the summer time and, and capturing you know that, that image uh, as a keepsake I love it and it's it's just one that, you know, it's just so much fun to to sing along to and, and to get up and even, dare I say, dance to. When I think back on all the crap I learned in high school It's a wonder I can think at all And my lack of education hasn't hurt me none I can read the writing on the wall. Cold across, give us those nice bright colors. Give us the greens of summers. Makes you think all the world to a sunny day. Oh yeah, I got an iPhone camera. I love to take a photo.
Then I have an oldie but a goodie. I have Vacation by Connie Francis. Uh, or I guess she spells it out. It's actually B-A-C-A-T-I-O-N uh, by Connie Francis, which I'm real tempted to include because we don't have anything that goes back quite that far this week. Not that that's a rule that we have to. And then I have my new wave classic. It's a deep cut by Blondie called In the Sun. Oh, yeah, good song. In the Sun, I think, is definitely going to make the next day. That's that's one of the two I'm going to throw on. Um, Debbie Harry, I mean, she surfs up over like a wipeout drum beat mm-hmm. on, on, on the track. I mean, it's a surf rocker is what it is from the 76 debut album, uh, self-titled Blondie. Um, and... You know, Blondie, they, they mixed this tough New York attitude with a love of 60s bubblegum pop. And, and through the production work, I mean, their, their producer, Richard Gother, he, he had previously worked with the Angels and other female artists of the 50s and 60s. So much of that music is suffused uh, with the girl group sound of, of the era. And, you know, it, it's just, no matter what you call it, you know, this deep cut, it just conjures rolling waves and warm warm days and, and nights effortlessly. I, thanks in part to twangy surf guitars and rumbling drums. It's, I, I, I gotta include Blondie. That is one. So the question is, do I go with Vacation as an oldie or do I go with Kodachrome, which is Paul Simon, who's, you know, one of... Well, if you're going for Gen X Sweet Spot, probably Paul Simon. Paul Simon, yeah. But if you want to, like you say, extend the range of our artists, then you'd want to go with Connie Francis. Hmm. Let's go Paul Simon. All right. Let's go Paul Simon. We'll go Kodachrome, um, which... You know, it, it's. I don't even know that there's much I have to say about the song. I mean, it's. Um, in the song, Kodak film gets the title, but Simon uses an icon camera. Right. Okay, and that's because it uh, scans well in the, in the line. I got an icon. Well, the camera. Nikon, that's, that's yeah. the standard. Yeah, so try inserting Kodak or Canon in there instead of Nikon. You, you'll just. Well, hear. Kodak's the film. Right, but it, it wouldn't sound right. Yeah. Nikon just had that. Sure. Rhythmic flow to it. Um, Simon sometimes sings the line, everything looks worse in black and white, as everything looks better in black and white. And apparently live, which I didn't know this, he changes it back He does and change forth, it, yeah. And he, he's actually claimed now that he can't remember which way he wrote it, which my guess is all he has to do is listen to There Goes Ryman Simon, and he would hear how he would Well, he I remember it. when I was listening to the song much after its release, of course, because right. we're... we're younger but I was taking photography classes and it was all about Ansel Adams for me in black and white so yeah. I didn't like the song on the principle that and you know I felt 
artistically things look better in black and white. Yeah. Well, then I heard the live version from Central Park with um, Art Garfunkel. Yeah. I believe he does sing it. Yeah, and that one. He, Everything is better. And I'm like, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Now I can listen to this. Yeah, he, he goes back and forth all the time. Yeah. Um, now, I will say this as an aside. Uh, as of 2009, Kodak officially retired Kodachrome color film after 74 years. So photographers uh, had to turn to more recent Kodak products and digital technologies, which led uh, to Kodachrome's decline. So, you know, there will come a day when, you know, kids listening to this will not have the slightest clue what it is he's he's singing about anymore. Um, Hopefully we're not there yet. What's what's really interesting about Kodachrome, though, is on the album, he actually has a summer-specific song, Was a Sunny Day. Yeah, yeah. But this is so much better. <laughs> so, um, yeah, we'll that's go. Good, with, that's a good album. We'll go Blondie, and we will go Paul Simon, and that means that our mixtape is, though other selections anyway are are complete. We just have to sequence them. All right. Well, we'll sequence them, and we will be right back. And we're back, and we have a summer days mixtape for you folks. And it encapsulates, I think, everything we were we were looking for. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, it's it's. For not knowing what each other, uh, you know. What, yeah, that was what, my fear, that we would have a hard time meshing. But this, it's great. Yeah, no, it works very well. Um, and I think we kind of fill in the gaps for one another. It's pretty seamless. Um, so here is the rundown of your mixtape. Side A begins with Walking on Sunshine by Katrina and the Waves. That leads into In the Sun by Blondie which is followed by Summer Girl by Haim. Then we have the Beatles' Good Day Sunshine, followed by Sunny by Bobby Hebb, Girls on the Beach by the Beach Boys, June Hymn by the Decemberists, Girls in Their Summer Clothes by Bruce Springsteen, Brown-Eyed Girl by Van Morrison, leads into Kodachrome by Paul Simon, then Knee Deep by the Zac Brown Band featuring Jimmy Buffett, and we end side A with Mexico by James Taylor. Side B begins with Summer Boy by Lady Gaga. That leads into Summertime by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince, followed by Sun is Shining by Bob Marley and the Wailers, Sunny Afternoon by Victoria Hart, Put Your Records On by Corinne Bailey Ray, followed by Summer Breeze by Seals and Crofts, Wildflowers by Tom Petty, Tin Cup Chalice by Jimmy Buffett, Center Field by John Fogarty, The Summer of 69 by Brian Adams, Rain in the Summertime by The Alarm, and we end our mixtape with Mr. Blue Sky by Electric Light Orchestra. I think I'm going to listen to that this afternoon. Yeah, I'm excited to hear it from start to finish. Absolutely. Um, and there you go. I, I, we, you know, I feel like we always need a summer mixtape. Yeah, yeah. And it probably wouldn't hurt. I'd, I'd be up for doing another road trip mixtape at some point, too. Sure. Um, and I'm, I'm certain we would never run out of songs <laughs> for, for a road trip. Um, but, no, this this is fantastic. Um, and it's it's nice to revisit some of the themes from season one in a new, you know, from, from a new perspective. So it's going to be fun to listen to. Yeah. I like it. All right. All right, well, folks, uh, next week we are going to take the suggestion of one of our listeners. Um, 
It's actually a suggestion we received in season one, and we are just now getting around to it. Um, but um, he actually wanted uh, to hear a mixtape of soundtrack hits, songs from the movies. Um, I don't think that he specified 80s, but we are going to limit ourselves to the, to the That 80s. was the golden era yeah. of movie singles. Yeah, so we are we're finally going to... to Follow, uh, follow up and come through with, with the request from last season and give you a mixtape of the best songs from 80s films. And, oh boy, I'm telling you right now, just knowing my select, it's going to be fun. Fun, yes. fun. There may be mixtape. a few John Hughes selections in there. Uh, a few. Although I, did, I avoided the most <laughs> obvious, so I don't know if you included it or not, but I avoided the most obvious. I, I, I have the most obvious. Okay, so, all right. Yeah, I, I have it in there. Um I may have avoided Back to the Future, though. So, Oh, well, I might have chosen that one. There we so go. We've got okay, a book so covered. We, we are good. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I was kind of hoping you would. So, um, yeah, so we are uh, going to deliver next week. And if you are a fan of the, of the movies, uh, you definitely, this is one you do not want to miss. Um, otherwise, uh, what do we have to tell them? What are we going to title this episode? Oh, yeah, we are notorious for forgetting to do this. Um, well... We have lots of choices here. We could do... Walk out sunshine in the sun. Good day sunshine. Sunny. We have... In the sun would work. Sun is shining. Summertime. Yeah. Summertime, though, is kind of... Eh. Summer afternoon. What do you think? Um, I like sun is shining. Sun is shining. It is. All right. Okay. Sun is shining. Yeah. Um... And that was the the point. So, okay, so that that takes care of that. Um, mm-hmm. Want to give a shout out once again to our sponsor, Jay Callahan Painting. Uh, you can find her on Facebook, and please reach out if you have anything, uh, any work that needs done, anything you'd like painted. She does a remarkable, magnificent job. Tell her that Alan and Dave sent you, and. That is it until next week. That's all. Uh, check out our, our website at genxmixtape.com if you haven't already. There you will find not only all of our episodes from this season and last season and our special bonus episodes in between, but you'll also find a link to all of our Spotify playlists as well so you can listen to the mixtape in the comfort of your own home or out on a walk or in the car or, shall I say, on the beach. There you go. Hot Funk Cool Punk, even if it's old junk, another mix of memories awaits next week. But for now, press pause, lift the needle, and hit eject. And we will see you on the flip side. (laughs) 